This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Hello, everyone. It's Nigel Seeley, and it's the latest edition of Betting Weekly Game Bet Match, the number one tennis betting podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers. It's the second week of ATP Tour 1000 action. We begin on, uh, we'll begin now actually, with the Western and Southern Open, better known as the Cincinnati Open. It's another ATP Tour 1000 event. And I'm delighted to say joining me to look ahead at the tournament this week is our senior ATP Tour handicapper. It's Sean Calvert. Sean, back-to-back ATP Tour 1000. Is that good for betting or is that not good for betting? How do you fare going into this stretch in the calendar? I find it a bit easier actually with one tournament to focus on. I think it's a bit easier than having three different tournaments, different places, different surfaces, you know, different conditions, all that sort of stuff, three different weather forecasts to look at, all that sort of stuff. I find it actually slightly easier. Once you've got a handle on conditions um, and there's only one tournament, I think I actually think it's easier. I think it's tougher for the players. It's tougher for the players to go from from somewhere like Toronto um, to somewhere like Mason, Ohio, where they play this this Cincinnati Masters. That's That's tricky, but... From a betting point of view, I think one tournament is easier because, as I say, you can focus a, a bit easier. Yep, it's uh, the tournament's actually started now. The scheduling's been a bit of a nightmare for us over here to record. We couldn't record it earlier today, so we missed the outright market. So it's been quite difficult for us. But before we go into the the matches which you've highlighted for tomorrow's play on Tuesday, uh, sorry Monday, um, what are you? What are the conditions like here? I've got a, before I said I've got I've got a message from one of our uh, Twitter followers, a guy called Dylan Strasberg. Look okay. Strasburger. He is out there. He says weather looks to be much cooler than normally this year. Um, Tuesday and Friday, especially showers expected Monday. Besides that, should be a dry tournament, but a lot cooler conditions. Is that similar to what you've got, Sean? Uh, no. Oh, well, Dylan. <laughs> this is from Dylan's window. Did he tell well, he can't see from his window what's happening in four days, surely. Um, it, it, well, the, I'll, I'll come on to the conditions because this is complicated. Um, they've changed the, the court surface at the uh, Lindner Family Tennis Centre again. It used to be played on a deco turf. Then they changed it to a lake hold. Now they've changed it again to a green set Grand Prix for the, for this year. They've, they've just done this recently in the last sort of you know couple of months or whatever. So now it's a green set Grand Prix surface, which is. The same, I think it's the same surface they use for the Australian Open. It's certainly the same company, whether it's the exact same surface, I'm not sure, but it's a green set rather than a lake hold. Um, so we get we're in the unhappy position of, of guessing what speed it's going to be. The, the, the other the other problem is with Cincinnati, um, but and and most most of these Masters 1000 tournaments actually, the different courts play different speeds, and that can be due to uh, how much sun a particular court gets compared to another court because uh, in, in years gone by in Cincinnati, there's been a, a big difference between the, the sort of grandstand court and, and the outside courts. And, and that's the same of quite a few tournaments as well. Often the center court is plays a little bit slower and the outside courts play a little bit quicker. That's usually the case in Toronto. Um, there's 238 meters of altitude at Mason, Ohio. Um, so it, the, the ball does normally zip around. It's usually 
kind of regarded as fairly lively conditions. They play with the Wilson US Open balls, which um, are usually regarded as the sort of quickish um, balls. But as Dylan will tell you, the the, the court speed, the conditions, it's just it's going to depend on the weather. The forecast I saw said thunderstorms were around early in the week. And then from Wednesday to Saturday, it's going to be about 29 degrees. That's Perhaps that's what he means by a bit cooler. For him, that's probably slightly cooler, but you know, because it can be 34, 35, 36. It can be pretty hot in Cincinnati. So that that's perhaps what he means. It's slightly cooler than than the really, really hot times that we've had in Mason, Ohio. So in short, uh, we don't really know about the conditions. It's a brand new surface. Um, I would expect it to be a sort of medium to medium quick, but that's that's just an assumption, and it, it does depend on the weather. If we look at the former winners here, it isn't usually top-loaded with the... Uh... Your big names, especially in recent no. years. I mean, Novak Djokovic only won this tournament twice. Uh, he's in. He's making his comeback from the Wimbledon defeat here. He's number two, so we'll come on to him in the minute. But Borna Koric won it last year. Beat Sitsipas. We've had uh, Ranić in. The, we here we had Ranić <laughs> in the final at twenty. We had Goffin, didn't we last year? Yeah, Goffin as well reached the final in two thousand and nineteen. Dimitrov yep. has won it. Uh, Chidic has won it. So it's a tournament that does throw up some big price winners, isn't it? Yeah, the trends are, are pretty strong actually. Only one of the last nine number one seeds has won this tournament. As he said, massive prices. Borna Chorich, 300 to one. Raonic, 100 to one, finalist. Goffan, finalist, 80s. Medvedev was 33 to one when he won here. So was Dimitrov. Cilic was 40 to one when he uh, when he won here, as you said. Um, another interesting trend is that the last man to win the Canada Masters and Cincinnati was Rafael Nadal back in 2013. Prior to that, uh, you have to go back another 10 years to Andy Roddick, who did it in 2003. And they're the only two men to have done it this century. So whoever wins Toronto, they're quite unlikely to win uh, Cincinnati uh, as far as the trends are concerned. Qualifiers don't have a particularly great record here. Um, only one semi-finalist since 1994. That was Dolga Polov back in 2015. Um, as far as underdogs are concerned, it's it's not, it's pretty decent tournament um, in round one, especially thirty eight percent of the dogs win in round one, on average in Cincinnati, and thirty three percent overall. Do you think that's because the players have gone deep the week before? Because he's usually in the Canada behind. Obviously, what's what we're seeing here in in Canada, they've come back, they've gone deep, and they've got to play another tough match in a short period of time. Yeah, quite possibly because the U.S. Open is only around the corner now, isn't it? We'll we'll come on to that in a minute with some of the matches that I've selected but and and it's very different conditions because if you think back to last year when they played in Montreal which 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 is still played on the deco turf surface and it was pretty slow i think Corono Buster won it last year at some mm. big price and it was really slow you're going from a quite a sort of chillyish sort of you know 20 22 degrees in Montreal on a deco turf a couple of days later you're playing round 1 in you know at a slight altitude um in Cincinnati, where it's generally much hotter. So, you know, it is, it is quite difficult to, to go from the one to the other because the conditions are quite different. Yeah, so I would say the favourites be very aware. Look at anyone who's gone quite deep this week in Canada and they may be worth opposing tomorrow. It's very, very hard for people to replicate the form from last, this week in Canada into Cincinnati. Two very good tournaments, two ATP two, 1,000, the best there is other than the majors. So tough opponents, and if you go deep, it may not look at the form book. You might not go with the form book in this tournament. Uh, like I say, the tournament's actually started already on Sunday. The first round has actually started, so the matches are in play now. Head to the Bet Rivers website; you'll see all the outright markets and the match bets. But as we currently stand, we don't have any 
future prices. But I'll give you the odds that these were going in to the first round, which started today. And Novak Djokovic is making a comeback from Wimbledon. He has been out of action for a month. The last time he won this tournament in 2020, he's been in for his third tournament win. That 2020 win was in New York, though, when the tournament was played in New yep. York. Uh, he's the favourite at plus 175. Carlos Alcaraz, we worried about him. We told you about him last week, the, the problems with him. We thought they may be someone to fade and the, the, the dangers of taking such low odds. He's the second favourite here and probably a tougher draw. He's plus $2, so 2-1 to one for Carlos Alcaraz. It's a big tournament for the Spaniard. He has to get to the final and hope Djokovic, uh, Djokovic is in that. He has to at least get to the final to be able to be the number one seed to confirm he's the number one seed for the US Open. So a lot of pressure on him there to be the number one seed for the US Open. Uh, the second, the third favourite is Daniel Medvedev, who in the early part of the year was incredible on the hard court. He, he proclaimed himself to be the hard court specialist, didn't he? He said he was the, the king of king of hard courts. And, Did he? Is that um, what he called himself? Well, he's called the hard court specialist. So I'm calling him the king of hard courts. Oh, right, okay. But he won four titles. He wasn't last from, week, was he? No, exactly. When we put our money down, he won four titles from February to April. But uh, since then, his form hasn't been as great as it was. Um, but he's won this tournament as well before. He's plus 550. So those three dominate the market. Um, give us a little bit of the draw, where you think the value is and the different brackets, where you think there's an easier bracket or a, or a difficult bracket. And who do you think um, is the is the person to come out of the draw? And obviously, Alcaraz and, and Djokovic, you know, the perils have taken them at such low low odds. Yeah, same as last week. We said, didn't we, Alcaraz was too short, in, in our opinion. Uh, proved to be the case. It, you know, I did say it was, it, it, you know, it's not easy for someone just to, you know, a 19, 20-year-old lad to, to win Wimbledon and then just hoover up all the rest of the tournaments as well, especially given the clay uh, swing that he had and, and the problems that he had at the French Open with, you know, physicality and stuff. But mentally, it's, you know, it's very, it's very difficult once you've won Wimbledon. Obviously, I'm not speaking from experience here, but when, when you've won Wimbledon, you know, you've had everything that's gone on around it, all the interviews and everyone's after you. And then all of a sudden, you've got to start basically from scratch again on a different surface. Um, you know, it's very, very difficult, even for even for the experienced um, guys, as Novak Djokovic sort of showed last year when he, when he looked like he was going to win everything and then it all it all went wrong for him, didn't it? After Wimbledon, he didn't win the Olympics he hoped to. And then, um, you know, he, he found it a lot for him physically and, and, and probably mentally as well. And that's, that's the same with Alcaraz because he didn't look good last week, did he? He didn't look good at all. And if you, if you take Alcaraz out of this top half of the draw, I think that's extremely open top half. I've taken a chance on, on TFO at 50 to one. Um, the reason being, I know he's not been in the best of form, since winning that that title on the grass in Stuttgart, but you know it's it's going to come for him. He's got a lot of points to to defend at the U.S. Open. You know he wants to show the American public that last year wasn't a flash in the pan at the U.S. Open when he, he made it to the semis. I think it was uh, lost to Alcaraz. I think this is a good draw for him. Assuming he doesn't lose to Greek Sport tonight, which is my absolute nightmare. Talking about something that's going to happen on Monday night, which then gets people watch it on Tuesday. And he's already lost. That's, that's a nightmare scenario. That, that could happen. It, it, you know, it, it's possible, but a 50 to one in this section, Casper Rude, you know, I think it's too quick from here. He hasn't got a great record here. And he looked injured last week. He had a medical timeout. I think he was a hip or back problem against Davidovich Rakina last week. For me, he's quite easily overlooked Casper Rude. I'm just looking at the rest of the draw now. Sitsipas, you know, lost in straight sets to Monfils last week. Um, Rublev's done done well here in the past, but for me, I, I I would prefer him in in slower conditions. I wouldn't be that concerned about him. I think TFO, if he got to the latter stages, could could handle Andre Rublev. 
Um, and, and, and aside from that, it's it's not Corder's of another possibility. You know, yeah. eighty to one, he'll probably go and win it eighty to one this week after after letting us down a few times. He's another one in, in with a chance in that top section. Tommy Paul, yeah, possibly, but he's probably gone a bit deep in in Canada for my liking. Um, so I think that top that that top section is is open. I've taken TFL as I say each way fifty to one. With regards to Carlos Alcaraz, obviously he's uh, the second favorite. He's always a popular better with with Bet Rivers. A lot of public support for him. Um, he's not coming into good form. You know, he's, well, he's, he's brilliant form. He's had a bad tournament last week. Looked a bit tired. He's got to come here. Then he's got to go to Flushing Meadow and he's got to defend his U.S. Open crown. Is there a ten? Is it? Is there a lot? Is there a possibility that he might sort of say, you know, let's just go deep here, but you know, just just take a little bit easy and just contain our energy and our fitness for the U.S. Open? Is that a possibility? And that's a danger if you're taking two to one. I think it's very possible if he's carrying some sort of injury. Mm. If he's carrying any kind of physical. Um issue that that we don't know about and he's not going to he's not going to tell us about these um not until after the fact anyway if, if he's carrying some sort of physical issue then that's that's certainly something that is is quite likely with, with with a lot of these guys not just Alcaraz but you know a lot of these guys if they're not if they are carrying something they're not fully fit and they think well let's just see how it goes this week you know not press it too much yeah that's possible but I mean I just think for Alcaraz, this is very difficult for him to lift himself again after that massive effort at Wimbledon and everything that's gone on before. He might he might prove me wrong and go in and win this tournament and win the US Open. Yeah, that's quite possible, but not for me at these prices. Is that is that another reason why you think there potentially could be a lot of big price winners or big price finalists here? Because they've of the scheduling that there's two weeks before the, the US Open, not a lot of the big guys might be absolutely so might put it all in in Canada. And then come here and think, you know what? I've just had a real tough week. Let's just 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 rest a little bit, and that that sort of may correlate to the fact that we've got these big sort of thirty eight percent of dogs winning in the in the opening round, and we've got some big hundred to one, two hundred to one finalists. Quite possible, yeah. The other thing is the conditions are here are tricky. Mm. I think that's one of the main reasons Djokovic hasn't won so often. It's it's normally been an attacking player's court, but over the years, I mean, it's changed a lot in recent years, but. And there's that little bit of altitude as well. A lot of the players have found the balls and and the conditions just quite difficult to control, very lively. Um, you know, a lot of big servers have, have sort of gone well here, going back a few years. And there's also yeah, there's also that element of of motivation. If you've if you've had a a long Wimbledon, you know, possibly a long French, um, gone gone deep in in Canada. Yeah, there's there's probably is that element of just well. You know, I don't want to exert myself too much before the US Open. Yeah, that's that's possible. It's a tough part of the calendar this week, uh, this title year. Obviously, after Wimbledon, you have two 1,000 events back-to-back and then the US Open in two weeks' time. So really, this one here looks one for me that I think you might want to fade the front two in the betting, Alcaraz and Djokovic, and that that TFO bet of 50-1. to 1. And it pains me to say it, Sean, but uh, Sebastian Corr is going to win it. <laughs> and I can just probably see is, it. Yeah. I know he's going to win it. I think we've got, we've got to have a save on him just just for that eventuality. We have to. Only 80, 80 to, that, we've, got, we've got to take I it. saw 80 to 1 this morning. I don't know whether that's still about, but it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. The only thing that put me off is just these, he's still, I don't think, quite right. I think something's not quite right with him. He lost to, was it Vukic, wasn't it, last week? Mm. Um, it was, but it, it'll probably click. It, it's, it's definitely going to click for him at some point. I just hope it's not this week. For, for your sake, I know you've backed him for your sake. I hope it's a, at Flushing Meadows, but oh, I've given up on that. I've given up on that. I'm I, think it's possible. I think it's very possible because if he gets a decent draw, we, wins a couple of matches. I think, I think it's just in his head at the minute. I think once he's 
got a couple of good matches under his belt, maybe got a good a good win over a decent player, you'll see a different quarter, I think. Let's hope so. I'm going to have to bet him at 80 to 1 now, just for a small bit of interest. But he obviously starts off against the defending champion, Borna Korich, which is a I bet tough Sinner's moment. going to win as well, by the way, that we backed in the last two hard-court Masters series. He's going, to, he's going to win Toronto now, isn't he, most probably? Well, yeah, well, he's a fade here, obviously, if he wins Toronto. He's in action, yeah. uh, Toronto, a little bit later against Alex Diminor. Diminor beats uh, our pick, Andre, uh, sorry, uh, Daniel Medvedev as well. So it's uh, been a bit of a frustrating few weeks on the future market, but we're going to go for... Um, TFO here at 50 to 1. We can't put it down as an official pick, though, unfortunately, because the, the action's in play. But hopefully you can get onto the Bet Rivers website and you can uh, take a bit of that. And also, if you have been following this show and you've seen our allegiance to uh, Sebastian Corda, we, I would suggest you have a half-unit stake on him as well to cover that disappointment if he does get to the final as well. But I can understand Sean's argument there that the top half of the draw of Alcaraz is very weak if you took him out. And obviously the bottom half does look a little bit tougher with the opponents in with Djokovic there. Surprising to me, though, that Djokovic is the favourite after the Alcaraz beating, but uh, we'll see where the money goes over the next couple of days, and myself and Sean will look at the, the outright market as the tournament progresses here on Betting Weekly Game Bet Match. Anyway, we have five matches we're going to talk about. The first match uh, is an interesting one. I always say an interesting one because I, I think they are interesting ones, and uh, I can see where Paul, uh, why um, Sean has put this one in straight away. It's Tommy Paul who uh, made it through to the semi-finals uh, in, in Toronto last week. He got beat by Yannick Sinner in the semi-final. He's up against Kekmanovic. Um, Kekmanovic here has a very, very, very commanding head-to-head record. He leads 3-0 against the American. Uh, they beat the Australian Open in 2022, where Kekmanovic won in three uh, straight sets, 7-6, seven, 7-5, six, 7-6 seven, seven, in the second round. They also met in 2020 in New York, where Kekmanovic won 6-4, six, 6-2. Six, so... Uh, I think that's when New York. What's the other one then? I've only got two. Another, it's a pro match, UTR pro match. Where oh, Kevin in the UTR. Won. Okay, yeah, yeah, one yeah. as well there. But that New York event, I think, was here, wasn't it? It was Cincinnati the year it was played in New York. Is that correct? I think it. I think it is. If it was 2020, I think it. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was his tournament. Kate Manovic won that, so he leads three nil in the head to head. Tommy Paul must be absolutely exhausted after his semi final run in in Canada. You've said of the dangers of betting people who have gone from Canada to this tournament. So plus one eighty, Kekmanovic. I'm I'm guessing that you're you're very heavily involved on that. Yeah, but I think Kekmanovic is is definitely the bet here um, for for the reasons that you've just stated. Really, um, Kekmanovic obviously has got more, had more time to prepare, having lost early on um, in uh, in Toronto. Um, Anyone that watched Tommy Paul against Yannick Sinner last night would have seen him um, struggling with a back injury, had a, a medical timeout against Sinner, and, and it kind of faded away a little bit in the second set of that match. Tommy Paul, now that that immediately says to me, you know, he's carrying, he's obviously carrying an injury now, isn't he? Is he is he going to be putting it in in Cincinnati ahead of the U.S. Open? I would, he, he may be, but I I would certainly question it. Um, so he's injured, potentially, or certainly not fully fit anyway. Um, the head-to-head, as you said, is is not great. If you look at the stats of the head-to-head, which I've only looked at the two sort of the stats that we, the meetings that we have stats for, um, and in terms of service points, one return points, one Kekmanovic, pretty dominant, really, 107 to 93. So the matchup has been no problem for Kekmanovic in the past. He won, as you said, at the Australian Open straight sets. He was a 2.79, that's plus 179 underdog, when he beat uh, Tommy Paul in Melbourne. We we uh, we were successful last week, weren't we, Hercash? We had the overs, didn't we, Hercash and yep. Kekmanovic last week? Um, 
Again, it was his serve that let him down in that match, Kekmanovic. He actually won more second serve points than Herkash did, so he was he was better off the ground. But he served poorly, 51% overall, the first serves in, and just 36% in set two, which is woeful. So that that really set him back, and that kind of explains the sort of one the way that it that match ended. Um, as you've said, and I, you've said in the past, you know, and, and I agree, Kekmanovic is a a tough guy to to kind of call. He's he's either playing well or he isn't. You never really know when. But at these odds, I took two point nine five of Bet Rivers earlier on. I'm not sure what he is now, but um, I'm happy to take Paul on here for sure. Well, they're nothing like that anymore. I've just I quoted you a price here. I've got my graphic. But as I've looked at the Bet Rivers website, that line has even gone even further now. It's plus one, uh, 150 for Kekmanovic. So plus 150 for Kekmanovic. Tommy Paul is minus 230. Um, so there's been a big, big move. Uh, Sean is already on. Uh, the spread is two and a half. Kekmanovic receiving two and a half is minus 106. Tommy Paul minus two and a half is minus 121. The total is 22 and a half. Um with what you said, with the injuries and with all the concerns about Kekmanovic, uh, sorry, with, with uh, Paul, the, the, the problems of playing last week and the head-to-head record, uh, I, I, would you, I think he might even go shorter than plus 150. Would you still be tempted to play at plus 150? If, you know, you've taken the big price now, but a lot of people here wouldn't have got that price. Would you Would you, Would you? you still be happy to play at that odds? I think, we're, yeah, we can play him at plus 150. I don't know whether I'd get much shorter than that, but yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think a lot will depend on how Tommy Paul turns up. People are people are there, aren't they? The people have people watching these the warm ups and all that sort of stuff. It depends how he shapes up, but I think there's a a very decent chance that Paul puts in a a less than hundred percent committed effort here for sure. There he goes. That's the first one. It's an underdog win for Mimor Kekmanovic, and now plus one fifty to beat Tommy Paul. We think Tommy Paul is definitely a fade uh, this week in his match in Cincinnati, which is scheduled for tomorrow. Head to the Bet Rivers website. You'll see the time there. You won't have any problems with the early starts because of these matches is stateside. Uh, so you'll see that. And you'll also see that Bet Rivers have a whole host of special markets available for you. And if you do place the bet on this match, you can live stream it from your tablet or your home computer or your laptop. Uh, the next match, uh, we move on. Uh, Safalin against uh, Jarry. Uh, Roman Safalin against Nicholas Jarry. Uh, Roman Safalin had a, a pretty decent Wimbledon. Um, he reached the last 16 where he, uh, quarterfinals, sorry, he got beat by Yannick Sinner. Uh, Jarry uh, did, did okay in Los Cabos beat by being by Sitsipas in the quarterfinals, but got beat in the first round in Toronto last week by Umber in a match which was a wild match. Um, Safalin here is plus 135. Nicholas Jarry is minus 167. The head-to-head is one win to Safalin, which was on the clay in Madrid this year. Uh, 6-2, 3-6, 6-3, he won in Spain. Uh, Safalin, good Wimbledon. This is his first tournament since Wimbledon. How's he going to fare in this one against an opponent that's been had a pretty good season? Is up to a career high, career high twenty seven in the rankings. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Jarry in, in sort of quick conditions. Um, Ugo and Bear showed it last week in a match that incredibly didn't feature a tiebreak. Given those two uh, should have done, by the way. Umber missed a, an absolute sitter of a smash to to level the score at five all in the first set. But you know, I'm over that now. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be cursing him when you bump into him at these tennis tournaments soon. Yeah, well, he owes me a few on there. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, I think Safflin can. If, if Safflin's beaten Jerry at, at on clay at altitude in Madrid, w- w- where you would expect the conditions to be perfect for Nicholas Jerry, but Safflin beat him and, and he, he won 19 percent more points on second serve that day, Safflin than Jerry. If you can move Jerry around 
get him hitting on the move. That's that's really all you've got to do. And it, it's much easier to do on hard courts than it is on the clay. Obviously, he has more time to to move himself around on the clay. But Humbert did it really well. Humbert moving him side to side. He's not he's not anywhere near as effective. If he can stand and deliver, Jerry, then you know you've got problems. But Safflin has shown before that he's a, he's beaten Jerry in Jerry's favorable favored conditions, basically. Um, Safflin's also got a, a small but decent record against big servers. He beat Ivo Karlovic on grass. He beat Matteo Berrettini on hard court, and those are the only matches he's played against big servers. So he's, he's shown that. He doesn't mind the pace coming at him and he's able to redirect it. He's able to move these guys around and he's able to get the better of them. Neither of these guys have played Cincinnati before. So it's not like Jerry's coming here with a wealth of experience. My only concern with Safflin is that, as you said, he hasn't played since Wimbledon. I, wouldn't, I wonder what he's been doing since then. If he's been diligently practicing on, away on the hard courts, getting himself ready for this, then, you know, I really think he's got a very good chance of winning here. Um, if he hasn't, he might be a bit rusty. That you know, that might that might cost him. But I took Safflin at um, two point five uh, plus one fifty earlier on here. And again, you've got the early value. It's now plus one thirty five, but we still think that's a play here. The spread is two and a half start for Safflin on the games, minus one thirty two plus one hundred four for Jarry giving up uh, two and a half, and the total very high when you expect with Jarry matches uh, twenty three and a half here. All the others are around about 21, 22 and a half. But Jerry matches are always quite high. 23 and a half is the total with over minus 103 and under uh, minus 125. Now, the next match is, is amazing. This is the first round of an ATPT or a 1000 event. And we've got a match up between Matteo Berrettini and Felix Auger Aliasim. Um, two players have had their fair share of injuries this year. Berrettini definitely on the upwards and uh, coming on the comeback trail. And poor old Felix Auger-Aliassime seems really struggling with his form. And that's reflected in the odds here. Matteo Berrettini is minus 225. Felix Auger-Aliassime is plus 137.5. The Canadian is on a four-match losing streak. Uh, Matteo Berrettini in quick conditions. You've always got to fancy him. And when you look at the head-to-head, it's very overwhelming in favour of Berrettini. He leads this one 4-1. And I don't think he's ever played uh, a match against uh, Felix where Felix isn't in the form or in, in the fitness levels that he is now. The spread here is two and a half. Maritini uh, minus two and a half is minus 122. And the total, surprisingly quite high, really, when you consider the injury concerns and the fitness levels of Felix Auger, it seems it's 23 and a half with under the favourite at minus 129. It's a uh, sorry state of affairs, isn't it, for Felix? I mean, some of the defeats, you know, he, he hasn't had the greatest of seasons, but the last defeat in, in his home slat, in his home tournament against Purcell was. Very, very disappointing is the performance at Wimbledon against Mo was disappointing. Watanuki in Washington was another uh, another disappointing match. But um, I think now the odds for him to win this match are, are reflecting on what the current state of his condition is at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm slightly tempted. To, I'm not going to, but I'm, I'm slightly tempted to back Felix here on, on the basis that I'm not sure he can continue to be this bad. At some point, he's, it's gonna it's gonna come back to him, but I'm not sure when. Um, against Purcell last week. I mean, he didn't create a single breakpoint chance against Purcell. Purcell won ninety percent of his first serve points against Felix last week. This is this is Purcell. This isn't this isn't John Isner or, or whatever. Um, and similar against Watanuki, he didn't break Watanuki at all. Um, and that's despite Watanuki missing his first nine first serves of the match. I was watching that match because we had set one overs, didn't we? Hmm. Um. And Watanuki could not buy a first serve. I've, I've never seen a player miss his first nine first serves of the match, and some of them were miles out. It, it became obvious later on when he had a, 
um, it, uh, medical time out for his uh, shoulder problems. That was probably affecting him. But he won 84% of his first serve points against Felix. So Felix is doing nothing on return against guys like Purcell and, and Watanuki. Some of his returning is it, it's woeful. It's it's back fence stuff. Um, and that sort of leads me to, to possibly think about the set one overs here. Um, as you said, the head-to-head is, is 4-1 to Berrettini, but I think a couple of those were at Labour Cup, weren't they? If I remember um, rightly, I off the top of my head, I've moved, I've you, I've moved on to the next. Doesn't screen matter. Now. I'll find it for UK. UK, and I'll find at, it. At least one of them was, if not two. But the fact that Berrettini's won four-one, it doesn't it doesn't belie the actual stats because in terms of the service points, one return points, one tells. It's actually Felix that leads by one hundred and two to ninety-eight. But Felix has failed to take his break chances, his break point chances in this matchup. He's only taken twenty-eight percent of his break opportunities against Berrettini compared to Berrettini, who's taken 38%, and Berrettini's won both tiebreaks. That's how he comes to lead the head-to-head 4-1, despite being behind in the stats. Um, Berrettini, you would think in these conditions, which I assume, you know, we don't know this, how this surface is going to play, but I, I imagine it's going to be sort of medium quick. And with Felix just unable to return, even the likes of Watanuki and Purcell serve, you wouldn't have thought he's going to do so well with Berrettini's delivery. So... It's just a lean here, but I, I quite like over 12 and a half games. It, it was um, plus 205, 3.05 at Bet Rivers earlier. Um, that would be um, my way of thinking in this this encounter. Two of their matches have been uh, on Labour Cup, and one match they had was here in Cincinnati, which was the win for Felix. Felix won He the actually only plays match. better here. Sorry, yeah. mate. He, he actually plays better here in Cincinnati than he does in Montreal, uh, Canada, Montreal, and, and Toronto. He's been sh- some of his matches have been shocking in Canada. What, what are you going to say there? No, 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 I wasn't sh- shocking. I, I wasn't. I was going to say <laughs> shocking. I just kind of forgot what I was saying. But um, so it doesn't surprise me that, he, that he's still struggling in Canada. He doesn't seem to be able to live up to the expectation, and he has. He's a quite a decent record here. I think he's six four win loss here, um, Felix. So I think he, he's quite relieved to sort of leave Canada and the expectation behind and come here, where conditions have suited him in the past. Um, I certainly couldn't back Berrettini at that price. That's that's way too short for me. Uh, yes, and plus 205, a tie break in the first set here. Okay, that's uh, when, probably a lean there for me. Yeah, Berrettini matches notoriously high in terms of uh, games, and especially in the first set, two players going toe-to-toe. If Felix can live with him, then obviously that might be a bit of interest. Plus 205, small lean for Sean. Um, 11 o'clock a.m., uh, the matches start, obviously, Eastern time. So check the Bet Rivers website. The order of play for Monday will be known in a few hours' time, and the uh, Bet Rivers will update that on their website as well. We're talking about players to fade and players that have coming out of uh, Toronto be exhausted. Well, Alex Diminor, the way that he plays, the way he runs down the court, he must be absolutely exhausted. He's reached for the final uh, this evening where he takes on Yannick Sinner. He could come turn up here as the champion. He's a big uh, outsider to do that, but he could turn up here as champion. And given the record of the champions uh, from Canada, then coming into Cincinnati, uh, he looks a very low price at minus 195 to beat Jeff Wolf, who is plus 155 here. They met once before um, Diminor won it, but uh, coming into the, a tournament where he's uh, he's gone so far deep, you can imagine him leaving a lot of it on the courts in, in Toronto rather than bringing a, his A game across here to Cincinnati. Yeah, not just there as well. He, he made the final the week before as well, didn't he? And lost, uh, what was it? Lost Cabos, wasn't it? Yeah. In ex, you know, extreme heat and humidity. So, Diminor's played a ton of tennis lately. Without counting the Toronto final that he hasn't played yet, he's played 27 sets 
already this hard court swing. But whereas Jeff Wolf's played only 16, I imagine he's well, he's certainly going to play at least another two, potentially three tonight, Diminor. So he's closing in on 30 sets. He's almost double the amount of tennis that Jeff Wolf's played this hard court swing. And this hard court swing is only three weeks old. So you would imagine if you're Alex Diminor, as you said, the way he plays does rely an awful lot on him being really fit, being really energetic, making a lot of balls, doing a lot of running. He can't get away with being underpowered and fatigued. Um, we've seen it from him before. I, think, I seem to recall Indian Wells was a good example when he, I think he, I think he won Acapulco, didn't he, or made the final of Acapulco. Then came to Indian Wells and he was absolutely exhausted. He got he got beaten easily by by Martin Fuksovic. So this this is a, an opportunity, I think, for Jeff Wolf, and this is his home tournament. You know, he's from Cincinnati. Um, Jeff Wolf, born and born and raised, went to Ohio State University, who he played um, college tennis for. I think he ended up being the number one college uh, tennis player of, of, I think it was 2019, when he played for Ohio State. So this is a guy who's going to be hugely motivated. You would have thought he'd be much more motivated than Diminor, who's going to come here um, on fumes. I also wonder a bit with Jeff Wolf because he, he played really well in the first few weeks uh, semis in Atlanta um, quarterfinals in Washington DC then he had an absolute shocker last week in Toronto against um, Davidovich Fakina I wonder if he was just kind of saving himself a little bit for his home tournament wanting to get there get here nice and early get prepared for that having known that he's gone deep in the previous two tournaments that's that's my conspiracy theory on that I feel like I love a conspiracy that's theory. a possible per- love it that's enough for me Sean I'm hitting the button it's... now I think Love it's it. likely, isn't it? It yeah. is likely. I think um, these things happen. I, I remember speaking to a, a few ex-tennis players. I'm not going to name who they are. And they they all said they've done these things over the years. They've just rested certain tournaments. And I think you have kept, to, don't you, sometimes? Yeah, yeah. And I think when you read into it and you look at the, you know, you, what you've just said there, this is why this podcast is so good. What you just said there about the fact that he's a local lad, the fact that he's, he's coming here and he may have not putting the effort in as much last week to save himself. This is, is, is personal wisdom that, you know, it's great. And the fact that the theory, that's all it is. It's, at the it's a theory, but it's a, it's a bloody good one. So I, I think <laughs> it's a great theory. So I, I, I'm buying it. So I'm in no right. No more. I need not any more convincing. Okay. I'll give you the stats as well. If you want sure. me to throw them in um, so far, this hard court, some of Jeff Wolf, including the fact that he, he got a, a heavy beating last week from David for Kino. He's still on a service points, one return points, one total of 104.4 which is very respectable indeed. Diminor's a couple of points ahead of that. Um, but as I say, his, his game relies an awful lot on on energy uh, and fitness. And I will say, I will take my hat off to him and say, fair play if he comes here and beats Jeff Wolf, having gone so deep in the last two tournaments, that would be, that'll be a, some effort from him. But, you know, you would think that, that Wolf would be more motivated here. Yeah, I'm also tempted by a Wolf plus three and a half on the spread here. It's quite low though, minus one forty eight, but I'd probably take two and a half as well. What, what price is he now? I took him at two point seven earlier on. Didn't want plus one fifty five, you can get for yeah, Jeff Wolf. Pretty decent. Yeah, minus one ninety five for Alex Dimnor. Uh, I think he's worth fading in a lot of markets. The total games here is twenty two and a half. The first set could be quite close, but if Dimnor hits a brick wall, we don't know how long this match is going to go tonight. And if it goes close and he loses in a tight match, it's there's a lot of reasons to oppose Alex Dominion in this one as well. So the, the the spread is three and a half, but on the Betris website, you can just move the toggle down, get two and a half for a bigger price, a bit more juice in your price. 
Uh, I like that. I think JJ Wolf has got the crowd on his side. I think he's got the home support and he's got an opponent that must be running on empty. The final match we're going to talk about is Lorenzo Massetti. He's minus 157 against Dan Evans, the recent winner in Washington. But then he went away to Canada, as we said uh, in the last show, he got beat in the first round uh, against the uh, the Canadian local lad. Um, that match was interesting though, wasn't it, Sean? We we picked up, what's his name? Gal- um, what was the guy? Di- uh, Diallo. Diallo. We, we, we picked Diallo here at plus one fifty, um, or plus one sixty, I think it was. He went off to he went off to about plus one eighty five. There was a huge negative for him, lots of money for Dan Evans for that match. And Dan Evans don't was understand exhausted. that move. It's a weird move for me. But it, it goes that that match absolutely replicates the same kind of thinking that we've got for Tommy Paul here and Alex Dominion. He's won the tournament. He's come to follow him. He's beaten round one. And uh, Dan Evans, we don't know what's going to be. He's plus 125 here. Lorenzo Massetti's minus 157. Massetti leads 2-0 in the head-to-heads. But there was a strange market. Uh, Dan Evans went off around about minus 250 to win that match. It was bizarre. I should have waited and got the bigger price. I was a winner's a winner. One, don't worry about once waiting. I didn't get the value. Cashing tickets is that's all it's all about. As that, as that sign says there, keep cashing those tickets. It doesn't matter. The price is important, obviously, but the amount of times it drifts or it goes against you. How many times you get messages from people saying it's this big drift against, it's a big drift against it. And you said before, you actually quite like the drifters. Mm, I don't mind it. I, actually I prefer don't. the four tops myself. But anyway. <laughs> You've, you've completely thrown me now. What I was going to no, say. I said you like the drifters. Uh, you like you, you like you like the way that sometimes you said you've said to me this before when we spoke about it. You don't yeah. mind if the market. Other people are just going, oh, he can't win. He can't win. No, it doesn't bother me. It, it worries me more the other way. If 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 like uh, a load of sort of prominent people have have backed it and, t- and sort of tipped it, whatever. That that's when I don't like it. When everyone's thinking the same about a certain match, that's that's when it starts to worry me. I think that's. I think if everyone thinks it. It, it, it's probably unlikely to happen. It, it tends to prove that way. But I, if it's drift, I don't mind a drift. Sometimes people get things very wrong and little rumours start and stuff and people next thing, you know, it sort of snowballs and no, nah, it doesn't bother me that. I no bother about the drift. We'll have to see where this one goes. But Dan Evans didn't do the business last week, got beat by Diallo. Week before, won the tour. And which Dan Evans turns up this week? I think this is too short. I think Massetti's price is too short here. I know he's got a 2-0 head-to-head, but both of those were on clay. And Dan Evans lost at least two sets that he should have won in those matches. Evans had four match points in one of the, in one of the matches. I think it was the Barcelona one, um, which Massetti ended up winning something like 10-8 in a final set tiebreak. Evans had four match points in that. He should have won one of the other sets as well that he lost to Massetti on clay. He's actually won 10% more second serve points in those two matches on clay, Evans. So you could certainly argue he was the, the better man from the back of the court. And that's on Massetti's obviously favoured surface of clay i think you know i wasn't obviously at all surprised that evans lost last week it, it you know he's won washington dc after a, a shocking season he's coming in one of 500 he's going to have a couple of um a couple of celebratory um drinks there surely um so that didn't surprise me but i feel like he's going to be back on it this week um you know he's had enough time he's, he's able to come here early um and prepare um there's not much in the stats on outdoor hard uh, main level 2023 Evans is service points one return points one tails 103 Massetti slightly ahead on 105 but I'm not sure that should make him about a one point what was he 1.54 uh, Massetti's like 159 so that's uh, around about yeah about one yeah about yeah about one about eight to fifteen yeah he's that's too short for me considering the the stats are fairly similar Evans has just played his his best tournament on a hard court um, I'm I'm concerned about having too many bets here because 
I don't know what the conditions are going to be like on this new green set surface, but I think Evans is a, certainly a, an underdog with possibilities. Um, uh, yeah, he's a lean. He's a lean for me. I'm, I, I just I prefer the other ones, um, but I wouldn't put anybody off backing Evans. I, I certainly would be fearful of backing Massetti at this price in this in this matchup. Evans has actually gone out in the betting has been speaking. He was plus 125 when we spoke, now out to plus 128. So there's an early move for the city here. I think he was plus 140, he was plus 148 this morning. Evans. Oh, it's gone it's gone down and gone back to sort of where it should be. So around probably the market will settle around around plus 130. The handicap's two and a half. Evans may be interested on that. With a two and a half start, minus 127, the total is 22 and a half. So they are the five matches uh, we have spoken about here. We have two official picks for you. Is that correct, Sean? Uh, we've got three, I think. Yeah. Okay. Three. So we've, if you can just run through your picks for us. Yeah. Kekmanovic um, to beat Tommy Paul. Um, what's that? 2.5-ish now? It's near. Yeah, down to like plus that. 150, yep. Um, Safaland to beat Jerry. Similar sort of price. Um, yep. And the final one, Jeff Wolf um, to beat uh, Alex Diminor. So three dogs for you. Kekmanovic is currently plus 150. Roma Safin is plus 135. And Jeff Wolf is plus 155. If you look at the matches in action, we've only spoken about five matches, but some of the matches tomorrow are incredible. Kachanov against Andy Murray. Sebastian Corner against defending champion Borna Koric. We have Gail Monfils against Cam Norrie. Leheka against Fritsch. Davidovich for Kina. Uh, I mean, just before we go on to that, just Davidovich for Kina's performance yesterday, Sean. Oh. I've done the other. I don't think he did. He did he hold serve once in that match. He, he effectively tanked it, didn't he? Oh. It was it was really really windy. It really windy. He couldn't he couldn't keep it in play. Couldn't control it. He he sort of tried a bit, and then he just thought, well, you know what? I'm not having this. Oh. And then he just he basically gave up. Started double faulting, serve volleying, just sort of hitting it into the back fence. He he didn't he didn't fancy it, did he? Terrible. It was really windy. All Dimonor was doing really was just keeping the ball in play and waiting for him to miss, which didn't take that long. He must have hit about 40, 45 unforced errors. Awful. And he, in his three games that he won in the second set, he, it was all breaks. He broke yeah. he broke Dimonor's surf. Bizarre match, if you haven't watched it, was Davidovich for King. The Medvedev one was bizarre as well. That's one of the worst matches I've seen Medvedev play in a long, long time. He was terrible mm. against um, Dimonor. Well, we'll have to see. Diminor's been quite a lucky boy to get through. I'll see if his luck continues against the Annex in this evening. Head to the Bet River website. You might be able to get that. Uh, if if we might even be the play might be going on, so it might be in play there. And also tomorrow we've got Alexander's very against Gregor Dimitrov. So a real, real action packed. I think it's one of the best first round lineups that I've seen outside a major this year. Really, really good tournament here in Cincinnati and they're the face and the lean for the tour. The shortest tip we obviously can't be given outright pick here because the tournament started. Francis TFO is in action tonight. He's currently 50 to 1 and a little saver just for game bit match sake on uh, Sebastian Gorda. Remember there's four ways to follow us here on Betting Weekly Game Bit Match. You can download the podcast on your preferred podcast provider Betting Weekly Game Bit Match. You can so- subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, Betting Weekly Studios app because we win. Uh, the subscriptions are going up and up. We well, thank you very much for subscribing. We've only been going for two weeks. We've got some really nice numbers on the figures there. Last week was our highest uh, watch show on our YouTube channel since we've formed our own standalone. So thank you, uh, the channel. So thank you very much for that. It's a brilliant football content as well. Soccer content. The handicappers have gone six and zero this week. Sure, not one losing pick uh, on the opening week of the action. Impressive. 
very impressive in, in France and in on the Premier League as well. So some great action there. You also follow us on Twitter at Because We Win on our Twitter account or X account, whichever it's called now. And you can follow us on our Instagram account, which is also at Because We Win. And myself and Sean will be in America for the US Open. You'll be having good content on there as well in a couple of weeks when we land in New York. Uh, Sean, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, you'll be back you. with me on Tuesday. 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 Yep. We'll be back on Tuesday on Wednesday. We'll know what the conditions are like. We'll know exactly what the surface are like and hopefully cashing more tickets. But I'm quite confident we're going to have a good week here. I like the idea of these trends with the underdogs and I really like these three plays. So good luck for the week, everybody, if you're following us in and uh, take care. And we'll speak to you all again on Tuesday. <laughs>